What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and today we have our second ever 10 stats to help you win this week in fantasy. We're going to be talking about week eight, and it's not going to be 10 stats. It's really more 10 matchups I've picked out, and then like probably 25 stats that I found, but we have done it again, fellas. I have gone out here. I have sifted through the numbers. I have found meaningful stats for each of these games to help you guys win in fantasy this week. So without further ado, if you enjoy, make sure down below, subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. Now, I will be honest, I think moving forward, we'll do... These stat videos are tough. It's tough to go out there and find 10 stats every single week, but it's been a fun exercise. I like doing stuff like this. I don't know how sustainable it is. I think moving forward, we'll probably keep on doing rest of season rankings on, I think that that's Thursday's video because I do them on Wednesday on the Patreon. So then I can do the rankings that morning. I can outline the video afterwards. And then I think we'll do the same thing where I talk about my 10 players to start that are, I have higher than consensus. I think that that's a fun type of video that I can do after I do the weekly rankings on Thursdays as well. So let's talk about today. And I actually want to give you guys a bonus stat here. We are going to talk about the Kadarius Tony trade because we had that happen yesterday. Kadarius Tony gets traded from the Giants to the Chiefs for a third and a sixth round pick, I believe. And I think it's relevant, even though the Chiefs are on by, to kind of just talk about how that affects things and maybe point out a stat that matters with Kadarius Tony here. And here's the stat. The Chiefs face man coverage at the highest rate in the league. They face man coverage 44.2% of the time. This is a chart from PFF. They do really cool charting every week on how often teams are facing man coverage. And Tony gives them a wide receiver who can beat man coverage out of the slot doing those. I don't really know what those routes are called, but they're kind of the outs, but you know, the guy, there's kind of like a hitch and he, and he turns around. He can create separation Versus man coverage, something that the Chiefs aren't necessarily struggling with, but they could use a, a receiver that separates well versus man. Their best two receivers right now are Travis Kelsey and Juju, who are two elite zone separators that play either in the slot or in Kelsey's case in line a lot of the times, beating zone across the middle. They need somebody that can kind of give you nice, quick, jammy out routes to beat man coverage, all of that stuff. And I think that that is what Kadarius Tony offers them. If we look even deeper, among 86 qualified wide receivers this year, the Chiefs rank the Chiefs wide receivers rank 35th. That's Juju Smith-Schuster, 43rd, McCole Hardman, 68th, MVS, and yards per out run versus man coverage. They don't have a single wide receiver in the top 20, top 10, at you know producing yards efficiently versus man. And that's what Kadarius Tony can do for your team. Kadarius Tony was 12th in yards per out run versus man coverage last year. And that was just as a rookie in a small sample size. He has the upside to grow past that, if that makes sense. So let's talk about this real quick before we get into these matchups. What do you do with Kadarius Tony? And I think if you have him, I think that he's honestly a fine hold. I don't think anyone's going to be clamoring out there to pay, you know, crazy prices for Kadarius Tony, but I would hold. And I wouldn't mind buying him for cheap. I did see him in my home league. I think he got traded away for Deonta Foreman. I think I'd pay Deonta Foreman if I had like three, four running backs ahead of Deonta Foreman on my team and Foreman was just a cheap waiver wire pickup. I don't mind buying for that kind of price, but I wouldn't, you know, pay a whole lot. This is a 
bet or a player here that has maximum upside at a position we all need to fill the flex during buys, right? Wide receiver, you can just put them in the flex. It's perfect. Now, here is kind of the other pieces of this. Sky Moore, someone that we've been touting, somebody that we've really wanted to see pop here, takes a pretty good hit in value. He was already struggling to climb the depth chart. We now have another good wide receiver in this depth chart. I would still wait a few weeks until I sort of panic on Sky Moore or I drop him on in redraft leagues because we still want to see how the route participation shakes out, how this depth chart shakes out, because we still know that Kadarius Tony, for as good as he's been, he's always hurt. He's never on the field. He hasn't played since last year. Or no, he, he played in the first two games and then like he had a hamstring injury and then the other hamstring went. I mean, you have to think that he's rejuvenated and he wants to play at this point. But there is a chance that he just is like, I'm not playing again, and he just refuses to practice. So we'll see what happens. Uh, again, maybe Kadarius Tony doesn't work out. I think he's a, a huge boom-bust swing. That's why I wouldn't panic too, too much on guys like Sky Moore, because there is a decent chance that things don't go exactly as planned for Kadarius Tony. Now, when we get into the matchups for today, our first stat is in the Bears-Cowboys game. Now, kind of how I structured this video is I go into every single matchup and I kind of just pick out what stats are interesting to me. And we look at Chicago versus Dallas. We have this stat. We have among 37 quarterbacks with 65 or more attempts, Justin Fields leads all passers and sacks taken with 27 and has the longest time to throw at 3.44 seconds. That's about a 30-second gap to the guy in second place who is at like 3.14. His offensive line also does him no favors. They're allowing the highest pressure percent or pressure rate in the league, allowing a pressure on 33.5% of fields dropbacks. And what this creates is a quarterback that holds onto the ball too long, takes stacks behind a really bad offensive line, going into Dallas and playing a nightmare matchup here where you can see this chart. The Cowboys, in terms of rush, pass rush, nobody can really touch them. In PFF pass rush grade, they are the best in ESPN's win rate pass rush metric, they're the best. They lead the league in pressure percent. They they lead the league in sacks. Mika Parsons is a menace. This is a truly, truly horrific matchup for Justin Fields and just this entire Bears offense. So I know they looked great against the Pats, and it looked like, okay, we're rounding the corner here with the Bears. I know I've been talking about Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields in my last two skyrocketing videos where, or no, I think I talked about Fields in my skyrocketing video last week, and then I talked about Darnell Mooney is a trade target. This is a game where you chill out, you let things happen. I think that the schedule really eases up afterwards. I want to say they play against like Miami, Atlanta. They have some easier matchups here right after this Dallas game. But I know we're you know starting to buy back into the Bears because their environment looks better. They're running more plays. They're running a more modern offense. But I would pump the brakes for this week. The Cowboys, they allow the least amount of adjusted points per game to running back to quarterback and the third least to wide receivers. I would sit all bears unless you're desperate. Now I will say we already have a two for a dollar with this matchup where our second stat here is a quick one, but it's Zeke is expected to miss week eight and Tony Pollard in his lone career start without Zeke. He was the RB one overall in the week with 31.2 PPR points on just 18 touches he gets to play the Bears at home this week, and the Bears are allowing the six most fantasy points to opposing running backs, and as nine and a half point favorites, they're going to be sitting on a lead all day long. I want to say I did my weekly rankings yesterday, and Pollard came out as like the RB4, RB5, but he is a top five play versus a soft defense, 
and the Cowboys should be chewing the clock for a lot of this game. Now, our second stat comes from the Raiders at Saints, where Alvin Kamara, with and without any Dolan this year, has been night and day. Now, I want to give a little bit of disclaimer. I know that he suffered a rib injury early on in the season. That could have affected things a little bit with Jameis Winston, but I still think it's worth noting how much better he's been since Andy Dalton has been quarterback. If we look at Alvin Kamara's target share and points per game in his three games with Andy Dalton this year, he has had a 23.8% target share, averaging 19.8 points per game. Those are elite top five RB1 type numbers. If we look at his first two games with Jameis Winston, he was at a 15.3% target share, 7.5 points per game. That's like not even startable. Of course, the, of course, the points are always going to go back up, but 15.3% target share is a much different role than 23.8% target share. Now, of course, Jarvis Landry's gotten hurt. Michael Thomas has gotten hurt. But I do think it is at least somewhat descriptive of what Andy Dalton has been for Kamara, where he's someone that's not trying to take as many shots deep as a Jameis Winston. Now, Kamara this week gets another week of Andy Dalton. They came out here. They said Andy Dalton's going to be the starter this week. They're going to be at home versus a Raiders defense that is allowing a 25% or better target share. They're one of the four teams allowing a 25% or higher target share to opposing running backs this year. He's a top five option in one of the highest over-under games of the slate. There is the over-under in this one is 49 and a half, which is really high, especially for a Saints game when they're at home, just because of how much like Vegas has sort of respected their defense. I want to say when the Seahawks came to New Orleans, it was a low over-under there too. But this is a really interesting spot for Alvin Kamara, not just Alvin Kamara, but a couple of these other pieces as well, where I also like... Chris Olave. This is the stat that's kind of like towards the bottom of the screen. I'll kind of make it bigger. Can I? Yeah, there we go. So right now, the Raiders are susceptible to deep balls and big plays. They are allowing the fifth highest completion percentage on passes 15 yards or more downfield at 54.6%. So they are allowing the fifth highest completion percentage on deep balls, and they're also allowing the seventh highest percentage of explosive pass plays. These are pass plays that go 15 or more yards but then they can always they can always come out of like yeah they can be caught at the 10 yard line and go deep they are routinely giving up big plays and deep balls the Raiders defense and then we look at Andy Dalton who was attempting the eighth highest percentage of passes 15 or yard 15 yards or more downfield passing the ball 15 yards or more downfield at a 19.1 percent clip and then you have Chris Olave who is leading 82 wide receivers with 30 or more targets with a 16-yard A dot. So you have all of this coming together here where the Raiders, they're susceptible to passes 15 yards or more downfield. They're also susceptible to big plays. Andy Dolan is attempting passes 15 yards or more downfield in the top eight of passers this year. And then you have Chris Olave, who is operating already 15 yards downfield, 16-yard A dot. doesn't feel like he's had that monster, monster blow up two touchdown, you know, 25, 30 point game yet. I love Chris Olave here. I think I have him as like my wide receiver 15 this week. He's going to be operating in a part of the field where the Raiders D has had problems before. And again, this is a high over under their home underdogs are going to have to pass the ball in the second highest over under of the slate here. Kamara, Olave, I even like Dalton as like a fringe top 15 type streamer play this week. I love the Saints offense. I love just attacking this game in general. Now our next stat here, comes from the Panthers at Falcons game. And the stat here is 94.0. That was PJ Walker's passing grade from last week, first among all passers against the Bucks. He also had six big time throws, making a throw on 20 making a big time throw, which big time throws are just like tight window throws, 
big touchdowns, any throw that's just like, how the hell did this guy do that? He had six big time throws accounting for 27.3% of his passes. I can't explain how ridiculous that truly is. The next highest big time throw percentage from this weekend was a full almost 20% lower than that with Mahomes having three big time throws on 7.7% of his passes. Three big time throws was also in second. So he had double the amount of big time throws as the next best passer this week. And he had almost 20% higher big time throw percentage than those guys. And he gets another, or not another, because the Bucks were good, but they, he gets a light matchup this week going on the road to the Falcons, who are ranking dead last in past DVOA defense, and they are allowing the second most adjusted points per game to quarterbacks and the most adjusted points per game to wide receivers. Now, obviously, let's get some things clear here. P.J. Walker is not Mahomes. He is not Joe Burrow. He is not going to do this every single week, but he's very much a capable passer. He's a little bit hot right now. And of course, we're not starting P.J. Walker, but I think that D.J. Moore coming off of his first top 12 wide receiver finish of the year, going to Atlanta, who has been struggling against wide receivers, I think that he is a top 15, top 20 type play this week, D.J. Moore. If you have him, now is the time to fire him up in all formats. After that, we have the Steelers at Eagles. And the stat here is 0.0. 0.0. That is George Pickens' cornerback matchup advantage score on PFF. And what they do is they take into account how good is the wide receiver, how good is the covers are going to face all weekend, and whatever number comes out is just like how difficult or easy that matchup is for that wide receiver. I have never seen a 0.0 before. George Pickens has a 0. He is below guys like Demarcus Robinson, like Shai Smith. I know Pickens is the wide receiver 22 in points per game since Kenny Pickett became the quarterback in week four, but I would shy away from this matchup. Pickens is projected to have the most snaps lined up against Eagles number one corner, Darius Slay. Pickens plays on the perimeter. The Eagles are the only team in the NFL with two, cor with two cornerbacks in the top 11 in coverage grade, and not just Darius Slay, but James Bradbury on the other side. They've both only played three snaps in the slot combined. Pickens plays on the outside predominantly. It is going to be a gauntlet of tough matchups between Pickens, Slay, and James Bradbury. You also have Kenny Pickett, who's going to be on the road here in Philadelphia, playing against the second-best pass DVOA defense. It's just a really, really ugly spot here. Maybe there's garbage time. Maybe the Steelers have to pass the ball 50 times, and Pickens gets there that way. But I just think I would be very cautious with Pickens. Not even just Pickens, but I guess you could be cautious with Deontay Johnson, even Claypool. I know the, the Eagles even have... They have no weaknesses in that passing coverage where they even have a good slot corner. I think his name's like Avante Maddox. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I think they even have the guy from the Saints, CJ Gardner Johnson or whatever. He's a good slot corner too. It's going to be a nightmare for those boys. Now, after that, we have the Dolphins at Lions. And the stat here is the Lions have six points scored combined in their last two matchups. They played against the Patriots and then they played against the trying to think of who they, oh, they played against the Cowboys last week. They have six points total combined in those two games. I don't believe they scored a touchdown, which I, I think mathematically they haven't, unless if they tried to go for two. Their team total this week, though, is 23.75, which is how much they're implied to score on offense or just score in, in general, which is tied for ninth in the NFL, which is pretty good. It's about like above average in terms of what they're expecting from this offense, which would be their highest implied total since week four, versus the Seahawks. And I wanted to take note of this because it's pretty wild kind of 
how bad the Lions have been and then how much Vegas is projecting this team to score points. Right now, this is the highest over-under on the slate at 51.5, and, and the Dolphins are only favored by about a field goal in Detroit, which is really weird because, again, the Dolphins are on a tear right now. They have Tua, they're humming, and the Lions are coming off of like two soul-crushing defeats. They're on a four-game loss streak. They are in last place in the NFL, and Vegas thinks that this is going to be not only a competitive game, but a high-scoring game. So I think it's something to take note here and say the Lions haven't been good recently, but DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown, Hawkinson, we should be firing them all up this week. This game has legit shootout potential. Now, the the other really interesting stat when it comes to the over-under is the night and day difference between the Lions at home and the Lions away. If we look at average total point scores, so this is between, let's say, the Lions and the, their opponent. They average 76.3 points total at home, only 37 points when they're on the road. 76.3 combined points at home has to be like the highest in the NFL. Uh, it's pretty insane how much different the game environments have been for the Lions, either on the road or at home. They're going to be back home in Detroit, in the Dome. This is going to be a shootout. Again, all of Miami's players, all of Detroit's players, there's going to be a ton of points here. And the Lions are not going to go down easy. They're going to keep going for it on fourth down. They're going to do uh, you know, onside kicks. This is a team that, yes, they should be tanking, but I don't think Dan Campbell is keen on wanting to lose all these games, right? They were supposed to hope this year, right? Jamal Williams, I feel like I, I've seen this TikTok a million times, but he's like crying, breaking down the huddle. Um, this team wants to win games. They're not going to give up. There's going to be a ton of garbage time here. This, this game kind of reminds me a little bit of the uh, like the 49ers-Lions game from last year where like the 49ers won big early and then the Lions kind of came back late and made it a big shootout. So just a game to be aware of because I know that the Lions have kind of a stench around them right now, but for fantasy, they should be in a good spot. Uh, our next game is going to be Cardinals at Vikings. And our stat here is both of these teams are top 12 in neutral pace along with running the first and third most no huddle in neutral situations or first and fourth most no huddle. The Cardinals average the second most plays per game at 130.1. Both defenses are outside the top 20 on football outsiders and total DVOA defense. So you get a spot here where both teams want to play fast and score. And you have two defenses that aren't that good. This is the third highest over-under of the slate. It's going to be in Minnesota, in the Dome, 48.5 point over-under. Again, this could be a track meet. Both of these teams want to play fast. It really just comes down to if the offenses can come through for fantasy, but there should be plays, there should be yards, there should be points. Give me Kyler, Kirk, I think even James Conner in his first game back is a great start here. Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Thielen's a great start. Hopkins is a great start. Ertz, all of these guys should be in your lineup in a game with an environment like this. Then we have something that's a little bit, a little bit less fun is the Titans at Texans. The stat here is Derrick Henry's fantasy points in his last three games against Houston have been, in PPR leagues, 40.4, 35, 39.1. And the Texans this season are allowing the most points in fantasy to opposing running backs, giving up 36.5 points to Josh Jacobs. I want to say they gave another 30-piece to Austin Eckler. It is time for Derrick Henry. And as much as I love Tony Pollard this week, Derrick Henry is my RB1 in all formats this week. He's the number one play. It is his turn to drop a 30-piece on the Texans this week. He was robbed of doing that last year. I don't think that he got a single game against the Texans. He is going to give them absolute hell. After that, we have the 49ers at the Rams. And this is going to be, I think they call in college basketball, like 
a trip to the dentist. The over in NFC West games this year is 0-4. The Rams are the slowest neutral pace team in football. The 49ers are the fifth slowest team in football. And the Rams and 49ers both have top eight defenses per DVOA. So this should be a slow scoring or a slow, low scoring game. You start your studs, you know, your CMCs, your cups, but I would shy away from everyone else. I honestly think that I think you can Debo are also fine plays because the Rams have been giving up a lot of points to wide receivers. But outside of that, I would chill out, especially with the streamer options. I know Stafford or not Stafford, but I know Jimmy G's a, a good streamer option this week. Both of these teams are in the bottom 10 for most adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterback. So I would pump the brakes on wanting to stream Jimmy G. I would pump the brakes on wanting to start Stafford this week. It is going to be a low-scoring game like it always is between the 49ers and Rams. And we have a, uh, like, I guess I'll call this an interesting game here. The Packers at the Bills. It should have been interesting. The Bills are minus 10.5-point favorites at home. In this stat, I am calling an immovable object versus an unstoppable force. You have the Bills who lead all NFL teams in pass rate, passing on 70% of their plays. And you have the Packers at the opposite end where their opponent's pass percentage is the lowest rate in the league, 53%. So teams that play against the Packers end up running the ball a ton. The Bills also play the third fastest neutral pace, and the Packers play the third slowest pace. So you have, an, you have a spot here where the Bills want to throw the ball and pass or play fast, and you have the Packers who have the second-worst rush DVOA defense but a top-12 pass defense so what happens here is they invite teams to run the ball. They're so bad at defending the run is that, that teams are just like, okay, they can't stop us on the ground. We're going to keep running the ball on them. Here's the issue, though. The Bills play so fast and they pass the ball so much. I'm not sure it'll matter a ton, but they should try and run up the score. Maybe they go out there and start to run the ball. I will say that the Bills struggled last year in a spot where they were forced to run the ball. I want to say the Jacksonville game that they lost, and same thing with the New England game that they lost, they were forced to try and run the ball, win the game on the back of Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, and it didn't work. I will say, I don't think the Packers' pass defense is quite strong enough to completely force the Bills into running the ball, but if they can make that happen, they might give the Bills some problems. I also think that Aaron Rodgers, this is his first time being a 10-point underdog, so it's just interesting. I will say, I do love Singletary this week, but I would just keep an eye on the fact that the Bills are 10-point favorites at home. Last time they had a blowout versus the Steelers, Singletary doesn't play the whole game in garbage time. They'll just sub him out and then start running James Cook during garbage time. So garbage time isn't that great for Singletary as much as like between the tackles, grinders usually benefit from those game scripts. Now, our second stat here is Aaron Rodgers is the second most on-target passer in the NFL but his wide receivers aren't giving him much help, dropping about 7% of his passes, which is about a bottom 10 rate in the NFL. So I just wanted to show you guys, I know Aaron Rodgers has been in the media like complaining about his wide receivers, and it's kind of justified. We have this quadrant in the top right, who, by the way, Zach Wilson is in there, just something to, uh, to you know, put in the, uh, the old, you know, catalog. I know uh, people want to blame a lot of things on Zach Wilson. He's one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the league. He's in the accurate lots of drops area. And it seems like, Despite us having really fun and great pass catchers between Brees Hall, Michael Carter, Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, the Jets seem to lead the league in dropped pass percent, which I think is just bad variance and it should swing back, which is something to keep in mind when we're all roasting Zach Wilson out in these streets. Uh, regardless, though, 
Aaron Rodgers came out and he's like, maybe we have to cut the reps on some of these guys. Uh, and it's kind of, you know, fine grievances he has with this team where he is in this quadrant of accurate, lots of drops. And I just wanted to say, I wouldn't be surprised if this wide receiver room gets shuffled this week. I've been somebody that has loved Romeo Dobbs, but he has completely flamed out or not flamed out. You know what I mean? For, for a day three guy, things have gone about as good as they could, uh, but he hasn't been efficient. He hasn't been as good as he was early on in the season. Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb both won't be playing this week. So I think we're going to see some things shuffle around. I wouldn't be shocked if Christian Watson ran more routes than Romeo Dobbs for the first time since week one. Don't be shocked when that happens. I think they're going to want to get Christian Watson involved in this game. I'm not sure it'll matter a ton. They haven't made a move for a wide receiver. They really, really need to. Again, Randall Cobb is on IR. Alan Lazard is going to miss this week. Their, their wide receivers this week are Sammy Watkins, Romeo Dobbs, Amari Rogers, Christian Watson. Those are their wide receivers this week. They need help bad. Maybe Christian Watson comes out here and has a breakout game. All I will say is I think that Christian Watson has a really good chance to do something this week. Uh, I, I do think that they're going to turn to him and see if he can be a spark for them on offense. That's just something that I've had a gut feeling for about this week. Now, our last game here, this has gone on a little bit longer than I wanted it to, is the Bengals at the Browns primetime game. Bengals are three and a half point favorites on the road. The over under is 47. And this is a really cool stat from an article by, I believe, Steven Ruiz. And we have talked about, right? We talked about it on the Top 10 Lessons show. We talked about it last week on the stats show that the Bengals have started to pass more. Since about like week three or four, they've started to crank up the volume on their pass rate over expected. And I think that's really underrated what that has now done for the run game, right? Now, I know that Jamar Chase is gone, so it does screw some things up, but I think they're still going to be somewhat pass heavy because of how well that this new offense has worked for them. And when you pass the ball more and you lean on guys like Jamar Chase, like T. Higgins down the field, spread out out of shotgun, you open up a lot of things for your running back who isn't getting any favors from that offensive line. And if we look at weeks one through four, the box was stacked 42% of the time, which was fourth highest in the NFL. 42% of the time, the box was stacked when they're trying to run the ball. From weeks five through seven, it has been 19% with 27th among NFL teams. Joe Mixon or just Bengals running backs yards per carry going from 3.1 to 4.5. That's huge. That's huge. That's a, that's a quantifiable difference in the efficiency of the run game because they've cranked up the volume on the passing game. Just beautiful stuff here. As much as, as, much as I've given Zach Taylor his fair share of, of jabs and doubt, he has been brilliant this year and just allowing Joe Burrow to play to his strengths. Now, what we have here is Joe Mixon. His efficiency has been much better recently. I know it hasn't really been in the form of like 20-plus point performances in PPR leagues, but he gets Cleveland. That is allowing the third most adjusted points per game, two running backs, one of the worst rush defenses in the league. This is a really, really good spot for Joe Mixon if this efficiency sticks versus a really, really weak defense. Now, that is going to do it for us today. As always, if you enjoyed the video, make sure down below, subscribe, leave a like. This is probably going to be the last stats video for a couple weeks here. Um, it was a fun run. I think that just because next week I'll have to do my dynasty rankings update, so I won't have a video for Saturday. So instead of bumping the 10 players you must start, we're just going to bump the 10 stats because it's easier to write about the 10 players. But we'll probably bring this back. I think that this might be a, uh, a cult classic or something. 
these videos are fun. I'm not sure that they're super, super, super actionable and that they help a ton of people, but I think that they're fun to do. Um, and you can get kind of cool little, nug little nuggets out of them. So with that being said, I will see you guys in the next one. I got the juice, I got the juice. Ten oaks, Adam's on. Foolies glad I'm on. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my bag up on. Rapper song, singer, suspended subpoena from Mr. Meaner.